Hello, hello. Welcome back to Serendipitous Sit-Downs Podcast. I am your host, Sam Soto. Thank you so much for joining us again. Today, I will be welcoming Jeff Higgins as my guest. Before we dive into the episode, I just want to give a trigger warning. Um, In this episode, we will be discussing some topics that may be triggering to some, uh, such as death, grief, um, suicidal ideation, and other topics that may be sensitive to some. If those are topics that potentially upset or bother you, I uh, would advise you at this time that maybe you should find another podcast, although I am incredibly grateful for you to be here and to try to join us. This just may not be the show for you, and that's okay. Um, Before we welcome Jeff, I just want to share his bio with you guys, and then we will jump right in. Jeff grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio, and he met his wife, Shelly, in 1983 in their high school cafeteria. He and Shelly got married and have built a beautiful life together where they have three daughters and now seven grandchildren that fill their life with immense joy. Jeff has spent nearly all of his life working in the seasonings industry, and in 2002, he started his own company, which he says is a 20-year overnight success. Living a life filled with purpose and meaning is part of Jeff's DNA. He and Shelly have spent 20 years running youth programs and serving the hungry in the U.S. and internationally. In 2016, Jeff summoned Mount Rainier and raised over $25,000 to build a special needs school in Guatemala. Jeff and Shelly believe if you're going to do something big, attach it to something bigger. And that's why the mission statement of their company is to serve people. Today, Jeff enjoys talking to audiences about his experiences in an effort to help people live better, to help people live better and more fulfilling lives. So on that note, thank you for being here and I welcome Jeff Higgins. Okay, Uh, welcome to Serendipitous Sit-Downs Podcast, Jeff. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, as you know, the show is all about sharing our vulnerability and our deep, dark truths in, as well as some of our greatest triumphs. So, um, I'm really excited to have you here and please share your story with us. Well, hi, Samantha. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you today. Um, so yeah, and, and, uh, that's great because I think that being transparent about our difficulties, uh, helps us all in healing and, uh, and that's what I aim to do with my, with my speaking. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, Hey, I've, I've been blessed in many ways. Uh, April the 6th, 1983 in the Milford high school cafeteria, I met Shelly and we built a beautiful life together. We have three beautiful daughters. I have seven grandchildren. Um, you know, we uh, we started a business together. Uh, it's, we've been in business for 20 years. It's been very successful. Um, and, you know, um, I've always, for I don't know what reason, uh, strived to live a life of, uh, of service. And it's always been important to me. And, you know, that's what our business is about. It's about being able to serve uh, our community and serve our neighbors as uh as well as you know our our uh, our customers so uh, so that's very important to us in uh, august 
of 2016, I took it to another level when I decided to climb Mount Rainier in yeah. uh, Washington, Seattle, Washington. Yeah, it's a, it's a technical climb. You're roped together and you climb up glaciers. Uh, That's so cool to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, was, it was an amazing experience. Uh, well, you know, I, I say uh, if you're going to do something big, attach it to something bigger, Samantha. And I so agree. when I climbed that mountain, I used it as an occasion to raise money to build a, a school for special needs children in Guatemala. That's beautiful. Uh, so, yeah, you know, it was it was very special. And, you know, uh, summiting a great mountain was 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 fantastic. Uh-huh. But, the fact, but the fact that I was able to use it to do something, what I felt was even greater was, uh, was even better than that. Absolutely. So, That's the real payoff from it, the real fulfillment from it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and so living a life of purpose is important. We can get more into that later. Uh, but I think it's, it's vitally important to us as human beings. But, um, but you know, I've also had my struggles, Samantha. I've had some, uh, some really dark, low valleys in my life. I grew up in a broken household. My older stepbrother and stepsister physically abused me. You know, I was that proverbial stepchild, right? Mm. Um, my mom was, uh, was an alcoholic, uh, and dad was on the road a lot. And, uh, you know, mom, uh, when I was 11 years old, mom got on the highway going the wrong way when she was drunk and okay. she drove under a semi trailer and died. Oh she was God. only 38 years old. I'm so sorry. Yeah, you know, way too young to die, and uh, that's the ravages of alcoholism. Yeah, and uh, and you know, and and there's more examples because my brother, my older brother Tim, was his name, and uh, three years after mom's accident, Tim had a drunken car accident with the semi and died as well. Wow. Uh, As as you know, bizarre as that sounds, um, but by the age of fourteen, I had lost two of my immediate family members. Oh and, uh, you know, it threw me for quite a tailspin in my life. Of course. Um, but it threw my sister for an even greater tailspin. Uh, I mean, you know, I was a high functioning alcoholic, but my sister was beyond that. She was uh, in and out of the hospital many times. And one time when she was in, I went to visit her, Samantha, I'll never forget it. And I said to her with tears in my eyes, I said, you know, I've had to bury mom and I've had to bury Tim. Don't make me have to bury you too. Oh my God. Yeah. And she said, you know, of course she said, I won't, of course not Jeffrey, you know, but a year later she broke that promise to me this time when I was called to the hospital, it was to make the decision to remove life support. And I spent most of the next three days with her while she died. I was alone with her in her last moments. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's, Difficult as losing my mom and my two siblings was, uh, not long after my sister died, the biggest storm of all hit for me. Um, I had a, uh, I have a good friend. His name is Father Chris, and he and I are golf buddies. And uh, Chris loved to golf so much that he said he wanted to die in a sand trap. That's how much he liked to golf. <laughs> and so we loved to golf, and we would share our faith and our bourbon and our golf regularly. Uh, and, uh, you know, he was having uh, some difficulties. We were discussing life uh, issues on the golf course one day. And when we got done, I offered him to go for a ride in my sports car. That ride lasted about 10 seconds when we ended up down an embankment upside down in the sand trap where my friend Chris died. Oh, my God. Um, That, of course, was 
you know, the most difficult thing that I've had to deal with in my life. I was uh, pled guilty to vehicular homicide. I was sentenced to jail and a bunch of other fun things. I'm sure. Uh, yeah, and uh, spent a couple of months in the uh, the Cincinnati downtown jail. Um, mm-hmm. Subsequently, you know, my uh, my own alcoholism took it to another level, and uh, you know, I guess my bottom wasn't as bad as most people, but. Boy, I tell you what, I had to fight it, and um, it's a good thing because I was on the path to becoming the fourth headstone in my family. But there were some things, you know, that were real important for me, and um, important for me making it back from the edge of the abyss, if you will, right? Absolutely, yeah, because coming back from something like that is, I, I cannot imagine even slightly what that must be like, and the weight of that. Yeah, you know, and it's like climbing the mountain. I tell people all the time when you're going through it, yeah. when you're in when you're in the struggle, right? When you're in the difficulty, uh, you know, I was struggling to take one breath at a time. Um, I say it's like climbing a mountain. Just take the next step, you know. Just yeah. keep making making steps, um, and you know, you have to believe that uh, you will come through it at, at some point. But absolutely. Uh, yeah, and there's, there's, you know, I think some misconceptions about our difficulties and our struggles, Samantha, and I think mm-hmm. one of the most prevalent ones is that our struggles and our difficulties make us stronger. You know, you've mm-hmm. heard if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. Well, yeah. I, I don't necessarily believe that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't either. I, I didn't ask to be strong. I didn't ask for it. I didn't right. want it. I did not need it. I know. <laughs> yeah. Nobody, nobody asked for this, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. When I sat down at, at a young age and said, what I want my life to look like, none of this was in it. Yeah, I'm sure. Oh, my God. And, uh, but, yeah, you know, um, and, and I think that that's, you know, like my sister. Um, you can uh, you could argue that it, it did end up killing her. But I, I met a lot of young men and young people in jail. And uh, let me tell you, they're living uh, lives that have, um, because of what they've suffered through mm-hmm. at a young age. And they're living lives. I always say, you know, our difficulties don't necessarily make us stronger. They can make us bitter or they can make us better. I wholeheartedly agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. But the choice is ours. I I say all the time that happiness is a choice. And I feel often that when I say that, some people think, oh, she must have had a very easy life. But the reality is choosing happiness is extremely difficult in in the world that we live in. It is, right? Especially when... uh, when you're at a, a point in your life where you don't think much of yourself. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Uh, which is where I was, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So, um, you know, I think that it's important to remember that, you know, struggle can be something that helps us to grow to our better selves, mm-hmm. but it can also, if we let it, something that holds us back and keeps us from becoming our best selves. And that's why it's important to aggressively make sure that we're addressing it every day of our lives. Agreed. I wholeheartedly agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, my, my experiences are, uh, are obviously kind of uh, extreme. Yeah. Uh, to a certain extent. Um, but they are, but they aren't because there's other people who, A, who have had accidents and had things like this happen and who have lost people or caused loss for other people, both, right. um, and have to live with that. And there's also so many people that struggle with alcoholism. 
And yeah. when you look at a story like yours, it can very much be an awakening for some people who may be struggling. Absolutely. You know, and then we started off with that kind of right. That, yeah. uh, um, you know, I, I, uh, what, what I say about healing, healing occurs, in my opinion, from my experience, through transparency and community. Yeah. And what that means is being willing to be open and honest about our difficulties and our struggles in a community of like my like minded people who are like experienced people, I guess. I don't know if that's good English, but, you know, <laughs> that's all right. you know, and that's that's the basis of a lot of a lot of uh, uh, healing that happens in our community. Look at Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah. Uh, you know, look at um, um, Mothers Against Drunk Drivers. Yeah. Um, you know, Susan G. Komen uh, Foundation was started by Susan G. Komen's sister mm-hmm. um, to bring people together that, you know, suffer from breast cancer. Yeah. So healing yeah. happens when we're transparent and we can be transparent when we're around people who've been through the same stuff. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But I can't tell you how many stories I've heard about young women who were sexually molested or abused and they kept it a secret. And they kept it inside. Yes. And and it really it it, it disturbed their soul. I would say. Uh, uh, yeah. So much. For sure. Yeah. I so, um, so much. I know it's like one in seven women. I think um, who are assaulted um, report it. I believe that only wow. one out of seven. I could be wrong on that statistic, but sure. I believe that that's what it is. It's something yeah. wild, but. Women very rarely report it or speak about it until years after. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's, you know, that's what happens years yeah. after. Right. So yeah. they bring it out and they, they find somebody else who's maybe had a similar experience exactly. and it comes out, you know, and they're like, wow, you know, I'm not the only one. And then they exactly. realize that, yeah, the shame is not mine. This is other people have gone. They can lean on each other and healing comes from that. Absolutely. I very much agree with that. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think it's also very important in my healing process was um, understanding the possible damaging effects of one of the most insidious little three letter questions. And that is why Mm. Um, that, you know, oftentimes we get hung up on asking why. And I think it's it's a it's a barrier. Yeah, I, I agree. I believe that uh, asking yourself why frequently in an obsessive way even uh, can keep you trapped and you'll never get an answer to. Yeah, you'll exactly. An that's, to it. that's the that's the problem because you'll yeah. never get an answer to them. Right. And in our heads and our the mind is, is made in such a way that if you have a question, it's going to keep working on it. Exactly. Get, it's going to drive you. you yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then it causes great uh, disturbance in our minds. I think a lot of times, for my uh, for my own experience, right? I, uh, I I ask why. I mean, why did I have the family I did? Why did uh, you know Chris, my friend, die? He was sitting a foot from me, and I walk away with barely a scratch. Um, you know, these questions could you know drive me crazy. 
uh, and I'll never have an answer to them. Yeah. And so I think there's great power in in the the phrase is what is it is what it is. Yeah. Right. So I, I think that there's great, <laughs> whatever it may be, will yeah. be. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And and you know I, I, what I also tell people is instead of asking why, it's more helpful and and beneficial to ask what's next. So instead of trying to find answers to questions that we will never have, it's better to look forward and say, what am I going to do with this? How am I going to move forward with this? Because I couldn't change a thing. You know, I couldn't change the fact that I had been responsible for my friend's death. All I could do is say, okay, what am I going to do with this and move forward? And so I ask, what's next? So uh, I have just a couple of questions. Were you were drinking at the time of the accident, I assume? I was not. You were not. Oh, okay. No. Oh, God. It was just a freak. Yes. Wow. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, fortunately, alcohol was not involved. Oh, my God. That's like both wonderful and terrible simultaneously. Right. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, I had another one, but it escaped. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, not a problem. I, I understand. It's, uh, you know, Whatever our, my big questions are or whatever my difficulties are um, at work and at home, um, you know, I just try to humbly accept the situation and ask instead what's next. And I think that that's Beautiful. very, very important for my mental health and well-being. That's of course. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. And if you were lucky enough to survive something like that, obviously, there was a reason for it. You've outlived so many people in your life. And uh, I think that it's really beautiful that you're trying to use that to help other people now. Yeah. Well, I know my friend, Chris, if he were here, he would, he would, he would be cheering me on. Yes. Um, Cause he was, he was a great guy and this would, this would be just exactly what he would want. He would not want me, you know, crawled up, curled up in a corner the rest of my life, mm-hmm. bemoaning what has happened and gone on. And uh, so I know somewhere he's, he's cheering me on in all this. Yeah, absolutely. That's beautiful. And, and I think that that's important to remember for all of the, our loved ones that have gone on before us, you mm-hmm. know, like my mom, uh, you know, they were flawed people absolutely. And, 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 you know, they, they made bad decisions, but I know that my mom wanted the best for me. And I know that my family wanted the best for me. Absolutely. Of course, they would want nothing but the best for you and for your happiness. Yeah. And so I try to remember that about those who have gone on before me. I think that that brings me great peace. Absolutely. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you know, and another point about healing in community, um, I wanted to tell you a story about how that happens. Because uh, when I went to jail, um, I'm, well, first of all, I don't fit in in jail. <laughs> <laughs> well, where were you? You were in Cincinnati, so yeah, no, I would assume not. Yeah, yeah downtown, downtown Cincinnati jail is no joke. Yeah, I believe and, that. Uh, I was, I was, I was voted by my fellow inmates as the whitest guy in the jail. I don't have any, I don't have any tattoos. I don't have any piercings. I'm, I'm just a business guy from the suburbs, yeah. right? And so, so I clearly didn't fit in too well. Mm. And uh, and I, I kind of kept to myself, you know, I was just kind of being careful and, and that type of thing because my story had been in the in the papers and all of that. So I'm sure. And, yeah. and man, one day I, I came back to my um, 
to my bunk and I found a brownie, two bags of potato chips and a fruit cup. Okay. That another, that another inmate had anonymously left because when I got there, commissary wasn't coming for another week. And oh, wow. I don't I don't think I ate the first three days, to, if that gives you any indication about jail food. but um, Yeah, I mean, I, my dad was uh, incarcerated on and off, so I'm definitely familiar. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not good eats. Not good. <laughs> that's one, one very good, that's probably the best reason to stay out of jail. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> but, uh, and then, you know, I had another inmate give me uh, a book to read. And uh, somebody else in my pod gave me a piece of paper and another one, a pen to write with. And I was telling my wife about this on the phone and she proceeded to look up the names of those inmates Mm -hmm. on the Hamilton County Justice Center website. And she sent them mail and she wrote, sent them a letter saying, you know, thank you for, you know, taking care of my husband and I'll pray for you and your circumstances. And I hope everything works out. And, uh, and I, you know, one day this guy, his name was Preacher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> preacher, Preacher, all right, if you saw Preacher on the street, you'd probably cross over to the other side. If I gives you an indication, right? Uh-huh. Preacher, preacher and I were cool, all right? Preacher and I were good. And, uh, and he was one of those people that Shelly sent a letter and he came to me one day and he had this letter in his hand and tears in his eyes. This is a hardened criminal, right? Yeah. And he said, you know, I've been here for seven months and nobody sent me any mail. Tell your wife how much I appreciate it. and Thank you. That's beautiful. Community, Samantha, I believe is a lot larger than we think. It's where we find ourselves and we might find ourselves, you know, anywhere. You might find yourself. Oh, boy, yeah. Yep. You know, and and in that situation, we can all be community and healing can happen together. And uh, I say, uh, you know, healing happens in community and we're all community. I agree with you all. We're, and I think that's something that gets lost is that regardless of any opinions about things, like when it boils down to the nitty gritty, we are all humans. We are yeah. all people who need people, as Barbara yeah. Strickland once said. <laughs> um, you know, we're all people who need that community. And often it it is found in the strangest of places where you may have never right. assumed that you might find that connection. So right. I think it's really beautiful, honestly. Um, and it just goes to show you, like, you can't always judge a book by its cover, you know? Um, like Preacher, you may not assume yeah. if you look at him as going to be a kind human, but uh, clearly he was. I wanted to tell you a story about uh, transparency uh, that uh, it's kind of an odd situation, but when I was younger, my brother was a very violent person. Okay. And uh, he was maybe, he was eight years older than me, so much, much older, bigger. I mean, he used to get in fights all the time, but he would frequently have uh, loud, um, oh, terrifying outrages in our house. Okay. Uh, the, win- the windows of the house would shake, but he would oftentimes punch holes in the wood walls in our home and one time uh, there was a hole in the dining room wall that my brother had punched and my mom got a uh, picture a family picture and covered it off of the buffet and hung it over that hole in the wall that my brother had punched and you know something that I I hold on to that memory as a reminder that, you know, in life, you can't fix that hole in the wall until you're willing to take down the smiling picture. Yeah. And and that's what transparency is about, right? The hole is still there. 
right? Yeah. You can put a smiling picture on it all you want, but the hole's still there. Yep. And, yeah. yeah. So I, I think that that's important to remember. Transparency really is so important for healing others and for healing ourselves yeah. as well. Yep, I absolutely agree with you. It's and it's wild because in my experience, especially now with doing the show, um, just opening up about my experiences personally and now welcoming others to come and share theirs. I have had people reach out to me that I have not spoken to since high school. So yeah. who have listened to the show and said, oh, my God, thank you so much. Yeah. And I've had people that I haven't seen in a few years do the same. And it's it's very interesting because I, of course, this is what I set out to do. I want to help and create community. And um, it's just, it's incredibly fulfilling and powerful to see it coming together and to see yeah. people feeling things and, and, and finding some value in what we're doing here. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I get that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I wanted to talk about, um, what I feel it was one of the most important aspects of my climb out of the valley and back to a place of productivity yeah. uh, in, in life uh, and mental health and well-being. And, and let's be clear, I'm living my best life after all of this. Yeah. And, uh, and so and these are things that I, I truly, honestly believe were, were critical and, and this is, I live this, this mm -hmm. is not just something I talk about. This is something that I live every day yeah. because it's, you know, asking why all those things, you have to constantly monitor it. And, uh, and we're always trying. Yeah. Um, but, um, but one of the most important things, I think the path to, uh, peace of mind, peace in our lives, mm -hmm. uh, runs straight through the city of forgiveness. And uh, maybe that sounds too churchy. I don't know. Call it reconciliation. <laughs> call it, you know, uh, uh, whatever. Um, but uh, but I think that this is really something uh, that that plagues our society tremendously these days. Oh, and I'll even go. I'll even go so far as to say I believe that uh, a lack of forgiveness, you know, leads to a lack of peace in our world. I agree. Um, not only in our own individual lives, but let's start there. Let's start in our own individual lives. Um, you know, because I knew that I would never have a productive life unless I was willing to exercise some pretty high level forgiveness. Um, you know, yeah. I'm responsible for Chris's death. Yeah. You know, and, and let, I, let's just start there. Boy, that was a mountain to climb. Oh, my God. I can't even imagine. Yeah, yeah. Every, every bit as difficult as, as climbing Rainier, but but you practice it and you do it every day until it, until you know you, it sinks in and and then you know once you forgive yourself, then you can possibly be free to go out and start forgiving everybody else. And I didn't mean everybody else. I mean your parents. Yeah. I mean your you know <clears throat> uh, the the guy that cut you off in traffic this morning. Mm -hmm. Um, you know uh, all of the things that have been done to you over the years. Um, that we hold on to yes. and which just weigh down our minds with this constant stuff. Um, so I knew I, enough to know that I was going to need to forgive myself first. And then I said about, you know, um, forgiving anything and, and everything that I could. And I do that on a daily basis. Um, but to demonstrate the importance of forgiveness, because I honestly believe that forgiveness 
is one and reconciliation is our natural state. That's where we want to be. Right? Absolutely. I agree with that. And when we're not there as human beings, when we're not in that natural state, then we're out of, you know, out of sync in our heads. And, alignment. And, and yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it prevents us from it makes us angry. It, it prevents us from being our best. It distracts us. Mm-hmm. So to illustrate this, uh, I want to tell you a little story about this guy. His name was Gary. Mm-hmm. All right. So Gary, um, during my trial, uh, during my trial and uh, all the publicity surrounding it, there was this guy that emerged, and his name was Gary. And Gary was a friend of Chris's. Okay. And Gary was also had been a bailiff at the courthouse, so he knew how to have access. And Gary talked to anybody and everybody who would listen to tell them that I should be crucified for what happened. And that's his words, not mine. Um, He talked to the prosecutor. He talked to the uh, press. He talked to Chris's family and stirred up a lot of bitterness there. Gary was probably the single largest factor that I was uh, ended up being sentenced to jail for a, uh, a, a crime that typically doesn't see jail time. Three years after I was released from jail, Gary reached out to me mm-hmm. and he sent me a letter. And he said, you know, in this letter, he said, um, I had no right to crucify you. He said, I think that forgiveness is a gift that we give each other. And Gary and I talked and Gary didn't tell me, but I come to find out that Gary was dying. And Gary wanted to have my forgiveness. And he wanted me to know that he didn't have anything against me. Mm-hmm. So I hear this story a lot, Samantha where people who know that their fate is near yeah. want to make things right. Yeah. Often. I, I think there's yeah. even a, I think there's even a cowboy song that says that or something. Right? <laughs> Probably <laughs> <laughs> live like you were dying or something. Yeah. What's, what does that say though? What does that say about reconciliation and forgiveness in our lives that when we're faced with our Im- imminent death, that that's what we seek. Yeah. It is so important to us that that's what we seek. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I encourage people that, you know, Gary contacted me because Gary wanted to die in peace. Yeah. And I think we all do, right? We want to die in peace. Ideally. <laughs> right? Well, you know, I, I think we need to do more thinking about living in peace. I agree. We need, to, we need to we need to exercise a heck of a lot more forgiveness and reconciliation in our in, in our world in order so that we might live more in peace, much mm-hmm. less die in peace. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think that it was I know it was good for me and I know it was good for Gary that we had that because it gave him the release and he had a hard time believing that I forgave him. I had to tell him like 20 times. Yeah. And I'm sure at the time, he just had so much emotion that probably came through as that anger, and he had nowhere else to place it, you know? So, you know, it was an emotional time. I'm sure. Oh, my God. Um, You know, none of us ever expects to live through something like that. No. Um, It was emotional, it was highly charged. Um, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of causing 
what happened. So it'd be hard for me to say that he was out of line. Of course, he yeah. Really, really did. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that was just the time that we were in. And, uh, but yeah, you know, uh, Gary was uh, Gary died in peace. I think that's beautiful. Yeah, it really is. And that also, I'm sure, I mean, maybe, maybe not, but I know that if I were on the receiving end of that forgiveness and peace and also giving it, that it it, it causes you to have more peace, I'm sure, in your soul and spirit. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because I've been on the forgiving, end, uh, the receiving end enough myself as well, as you can imagine. I'm right? sure. But, yeah. Heck, I'm, I was an alcoholic, you know, and I, 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 you know, we alcoholics, we tend to wreak a lot of havoc when we're in the throws of it. And, I mean, uh, addiction yeah. in general, I totally, yeah, we don't, yeah. we're unaware of the chaos yeah, we are right. stirring outside of our own personal vessels. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. we, we think everything's cool, right? Oh, my God. <laughs> when my friends came to me and they were like, hi, we're afraid you're going to die. I yeah. was like, wait, you guys know that I'm yeah. doing that? I had no idea anybody even knew. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the big joke amongst uh, those of us in AA anyway. It's like, yeah, no, everybody knows. Yeah. <laughs> everybody knows. <laughs> everybody knows. You're the only one who doesn't know that everybody knows. Uh, <laughs> oh, so, yeah, so, hey, I've got a great sobriety story for you. Oh, today. please. <laughs> so, my sobriety story. So, um, it really, it starts back when my mom died. Mm-hmm. When my mom died, we went to a local funeral home. Mm-hmm. And my father became good friends with the funeral director. And his son was about my age. And we get, you know, they went over there and the two of us got together. And that's kind of when my partying way started, right? He started smoking some dope. We started drinking some stuff. And yeah. I'm not, don't get me wrong, I'm not blaming it on him. I had this in me. And I, you know, of course, yeah. Anyway, from there on, boy, it was for the next 40 years, um, you know, I was, I was, you know, looking to, to, to drink and, and get high a lot of times. Yeah. And, um, and so, uh, and his name was Eric. He ended up being the best man at my wedding. And, mm. you know, he eventually moved halfway around the world. I don't know. I lost track of him. Mm-hmm. But, uh, not long after my, uh, my accident, um, yeah, maybe a year or two, it was a couple of years after my accident. I got a uh, 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 a call mm. and a voicemail from Eric's older brother. His name was Don. Now he was the older brother. I don't think I said ten words to him when I was a young man. But, yeah. Yeah, because I was that pesky little brother's friend, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but so out of the clear blue, I get this call from him, and you know he wants to get together, and I kind of figure that it has something to do with the accident because, um, you know. Why else would somebody be calling me out of the clear blue after 40 years? Right? Yeah. <laughs> so we, we get together and uh, and I find out he's in AA at the time. I'm still actively drinking, but I'm going downhill fast. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, finally, the day comes and my wife says, uh, you know, is there anybody you want me to call? And I said, yeah, I want you to call Don. So she calls up Don, and Don comes over to my house, and he says, hey, uh, yeah, you want to go to a meeting tonight, an AA meeting? And I'm like, wow, they have a meeting tonight? <laughs> I can't believe what, what luck, <laughs> which is a big joke, right? If you're one of us, you know that there's yeah. AA meetings. All the time. Every night. Yeah, and, yeah. Yep. yeah. everywhere, every time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
but I couldn't at the time believe my good fortune. So mm -hmm. I said, oh, and I said, yeah, let me get ready and we'll go to the meeting. And so as I was came back from getting ready, Don was sitting there with my uh, Bible mm -hmm. that I had from jail. And, um, and he turns it to an important verse in Romans where it says, you know, ours is not a grave tending life. Ours is an expectant life living each day with an expectant. What, what's next, Papa? Mm -hmm. Right. This is a message translation. So yeah. it's more modern, modern English. And he says, look, I wanted to show you this verse. And, and I said, he said, look, somebody's even underlined it for you. And I looked at it and I said, yeah, I know that verse, Don. I said, see that? It's David. That was the verse that I underlined in my Bible on Christmas Day when I was in jail in 2017. Wow. So it was kind of a Christmas gift. Mm -hmm. Don Con. Mm -hmm. But it also doesn't escape me that my sobriety began, my sobriety journey began 40 years earlier with the death of my mom from alcoholism. Yeah. Yeah, and that in many ways uh, that that saved my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I tell people, you know, oftentimes it seems kind of bleak. It seems like you know things aren't getting any better. Yeah, the depths of despair, but, as I say. Yeah, but my experience is that you know what, a lot of those times behind the scenes, things are actually getting worked out, just unbeknownst to us, right? Absolutely. I, uh, one of the things that I say often is that the only constant we have in this life is change. And when you are going through bad things, it's very easy to harp on the bad things and say, oh, my life is always going to be like this. Nothing's ever going to change, da -da -da, you know, so on and so forth. It's much harder, much harder to focus on the good and the positive yeah. and say, okay, good things will happen again. But one of the things that I have to constantly remind myself is that, sure, I can expect the bottom to fall out in some capacity at some point down the line, but I can also equally expect beautiful, wonderful, happy things to right. happen just as much. It may. It may not. Yeah. Right? Yeah. On both sides, right? Exactly. So you just don't know. You so never I'm know. Here. Yeah, there's no guarantees. My faith in God doesn't guarantee me a happy life. Exactly. Uh, you know, and, and nothing really does. And you just got to take it as it's come. That's, you're absolutely right. And the you happiness know. is our choice, as we said earlier, you know. Yeah. 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 So, absolutely. full circle. <laughs> full circle. <laughs> <laughs> so, I want to talk a little bit about the importance, I think, of purpose. Please. That was, that was another key element of my recovery, if you will, my climbing out of the valley is having a purpose in life. And I told you from a very young age, for whatever reason, I felt it important to live a life of purpose. And, you know, I've done a lot of uh, work with food pantries and Guatemalan children and, and things like that. And, um, and I think that Samantha, at my lowest point, when I wanted to die, mm. When, you know, I, I, I didn't think that I, I felt that I was too broken in order to be put back together again. Yes. I felt like Humpty Dumpty, right? Yes. And, and, and I think at that time there were probably two things that kept me going. And one was my faith because I believe that my life is a gift from God and I have no right to give it back. Okay. That's beautiful. And I also, but, I, but also purpose. You know, mm -hmm. purpose in my life that I still felt like I had 
purpose. And, and you know, I hung on to that. Maybe I didn't know what it was. Mm -hmm. Maybe this is it, right? That's I uh, yes, absolutely. But but I held on to that, and and that's why I think uh, you know was one of the main things that kept me going. So, you know, I, I think a lot of people aren't really in tune with how important purpose is in our lives, right? Because a yeah. lot of people want to find purpose in their life. They want to know what their purpose is in life, right? Absolutely. But they can't quite figure out what that is because that's a big thing to ask. And <laughs> so we kind of get stuck in this. And I also feel like it's something that, like, people are like, oh, what's your purpose? Like, they ask you, like, or what yeah. are you going to do with it? Like, it's no big yeah. thing. But it's, like, this huge <laughs> part of us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it is. And, and to, to, to illustrate this, I tell you, you know, my friend, his name is John. He used to be a cop, mm -hmm. right? And as a cop, he was often with people in their dying moments. Mm -hmm. And he says that he found it very curious that in their last moments, people usually, in their last 30 seconds of life, people said two things. They said, I wish I had more time. And did I make a difference? Right? Regret. Forgiveness, reconciliation. We talked about that. Yeah. And did I make a difference? Yeah. Did I did I do something to make this world a better place? Something outside of myself. Something you know, bigger than how, myself. Yeah. yeah. Something bigger than myself. And and you know, in our in their last thirty seconds, this is what people are thinking about. You mm -hmm. know, did I serve a purpose? Yeah. It, but like I said, it's it's hard for people a lot of times. So when I tell people is, you know, sometimes. At, at times, I didn't know what my purpose, my life purpose was, right? Mm -hmm. But um, but I found purpose in things that I did, like yeah. climbing. Like I'd have a, we'd have Shelly and I would have a Super Bowl party, and we would collect canned goods for the local food pantry. That's great. You know, just incorporating purpose into our daily lives, my business, um, is 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 one way that you know you you incorporate purpose, and maybe it's not your purpose, right? Maybe it's not your life purpose. However, I firmly believe that when you do this, you're going to find it. Right? I love you're that. Gonna, you're going to find your purpose, right? Yeah. Just, I just think we need to be a little more proactive about it and start incorporating purpose into our daily lives. I agree. And I think like purpose and mindfulness go very hand in hand with each other. And it, you know, kind of relates to everything that we're saying is that, it is a choice. It is an effort to be this way um, and to be loving and extend that love to others. But it's also something that can become part of your natural existence if you start incorporating yeah. it into your daily life as you have. So that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, you know, um, when I was climbing that mountain, it would have been easy to give up if I was just a vain endeavor of a 50-year-old man. Yeah. Right? <laughs> But, but I had a bigger purpose. You did, yeah. And, and we had a stop, and they come around, and I'm sitting there, and I'm, you know, you're sitting on your backpack, you're drinking water, you're eating calories, you're just it's all very regimented, right? And yeah. God, God comes around to you, and he says, you know, he's doing a wellness check before the next leg of this journey, because after that, there's no turning back. And he comes up to me, and I'm sitting there thinking, I am gassed. <laughs> I am <breath. laughs> you know, I am, and not only do you have to get to the summit, you got to get back down. And he, and he comes around to me and he says, Higgins. And I said, I'm good to go. Because, and you're just like, am I? <laughs> right. right. But I wasn't going 
give up. No, it's beautiful. Again, purpose keeps us going. Absolutely. Right? I'm going to do it regardless. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Man, that's you're beautiful. You know, you're, I'm either making the summit or you're going to drag me off. <laughs> I'm going to be sliding down. Because I'm, I'm climbing for a bunch of kids in rural Guatemala that got nothing. That's beautiful. That's really great. And how much did you raise during that climb? $25,000. That's great. That's amazing. Yeah, so I'll put a plug in. It's called Dream Invest Grow. It's a family that we support. It's a family mission in Guatemala, and uh, they serve the native Mayan people. That's very and, cool. Uh, and they do great work down there. And uh, so, yeah, I appreciate it. Let me put a plug in. Oh, please. Uh, yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah, it's near and dear to my heart. What was it again? Great. Just one more time. DreamInvestGrow.com. Very org. cool. Dot org. Dot org. Okay. Dot org. Yes. I'm, I'm going to write it down, that. so I'll include it in uh, the description. So there was one more point I wanted to make about the importance of purpose, or should I say finding purpose in our lives. Now, a lot of people, <coughs> excuse me, sorry about that. It's all right. <laughs> Just came off a break and I have a cough. Um. So many people are familiar with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's work on the five stages of grief, you know, mm -hmm. anger, denial, bargaining, um, grief, and acceptance. Um, what a lot of people aren't aware of is that uh, she, her protege, David Kessler, who worked with her for many years, after her death, he wrote a book based on their work together, mm -hmm. and it's called The Sixth Stage of Grief. Oh, Finding Meaning and Purpose. Oh, I've never heard of that book, and that's wonderful. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> and, and it's all about how this is really, you know, at the end, we're either bitter or better for our difficulties. I already said that, right? Mm -hmm. So, but difficulties never leave us the same. Mm, and you know? that. there's a distinct yeah, before yeah. and so, after. Yeah. So, and, and this is one of the ways that we end up better in our lives for our difficulties and struggles is potentially because we use that as a springboard to grow in our purpose and our service to others. Yes. And, it, and again, there's a lot of great organizations that were founded based on that purpose. Um, you know, they, um, uh, Walsh, I forget his name, that started America's Most Wanted mm. because because his son was kidnapped and brutally murdered um, I had no idea. when he was a little boy. Yeah. Wow. Um, Tunnels to Towers organization. Yeah. Um, you know, these are organizations that are found out of our grief and out of our difficult circumstances. Absolutely. So I like to tell people, you know, if you're struggling with your, you know, finding what your purpose is in life, Sometimes it's good to look through to your past difficulties and struggles that you've had. And oftentimes that's where we find our real heart for purpose. Absolutely. I agree with that. I love that. Um, that's funny because I know a few of the people involved with Tunnel to Towers because uh, it's here in Jersey. So um, that's it's interesting that you mentioned that. But it is. It's amazing what people can do with their grief. And if you have the capability to use it in a constructive way you can really do some amazing things you can change the world samantha you absolutely can i do totally agree with you jeff i really yeah. do yeah i do so i got I have one final story for you samantha please is that you know i believe that we were made not just to survive i believe that we were made to thrive me too now, <laughs> 
August the 16th, 2000, or August 11th, 2016, it was a Thursday, I summited Mount Rainier. Within a year, I was lower and more broken than I could ever imagine. My sister had died and I had had my car accident and I was under indictment for homicide in his death. August 11th, Thursday, 2022, I got my driver's license back. Wow. It was the last piece of the puzzle. Yeah. I had done my time. I had done my home arrest. I had served my probation. I had paid all my fines. I had done my community service. And I had come back from the dead. And as I sat there that August 11th, 2022, and I held in my hands that driver's license, it felt so much like being on the summit of Rainier that day, that same mm. feeling of, you know, I've overcome, I've, I've, I've done something. I, I've, I've been able to make it through. And, you know, I want to encourage everybody, you know, that life can throw some pretty serious stuff at us. Oh, talk about curveballs. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I believe firmly, Samantha, that we were made to overcome life's most difficult challenges. That I want to encourage everybody, just keep climbing and asking what's next. That's beautiful, Jeff. I love it. And I could not agree with you more. The next right thing. Beautiful. Um, I just have a couple questions for you, if you don't mind. Um, oh, no. I just was curious. Um, what perspectives that you may have had before the accident and being in prison um, have changed since going yeah. through all this? Yeah, so probably, <laughs> I don't know if you're going a particular direction, but probably the biggest thing is the, the justice system. Okay. Um, you know, I learned a lot about the, uh, the judicial and the justice system in this country. I'm sure. And, um, and yeah, you know, uh, I was roundly ridiculed. I'm a fairly well off person. I hired the best attorney in town who wouldn't, but I got, you know, ridiculed because I made a good plea deal because I had a good attorney, but that's the dirty little secret in the judicial system in this yeah. country. It's not about white or black. It's not about field, female or male or any of that. What it's about is can you afford a good attorney? It's who you know. Yeah. yeah. A lot of the time yeah. it is. Most, unfortunately. most of the, yeah. Most of the guys I'm in there with, they're having public defenders. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mine's, mine's, you know, anything but, and, and frankly, you know, that's, uh, I think unfortunate in a lot of regards. Um, but it is what it is. That's the way the system's set up. And, um, you know, I'm not sure that people quite understand that. Another thing that I've learned is the system is entirely unfriendly to people who are in it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I've got an education. I've got money and resources and and I could, you know, go away for three months and my business is going to survive. But most of these guys that are in there don't have anything like that. Yeah. And they, they don't understand the system. And the system is very unfriendly to people who uh who are in it. It yeah. is not user friendly. Uh, just this morning, I spent, you know, an hour and a half waiting for a, a, a trial yeah. uh, 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 hearing this morning. Um, and I, you know, I, the first thing I told the guy when I got there, I said, Hey, just to let you know, the system is not user friendly. And then there we sat for an hour and a half waiting yeah. for the, uh, for the, for the uh, hearing. 
So, uh, so I think that that was a big learning for me, just how difficult really the system is once you're in it yeah. and how difficult it is to get out of it. Heck, they still use fax machines, for goodness sakes. I, they wow. wanted me to fax some stuff, and I didn't even have a fax machine, right? <laughs> how? <laughs> yeah, nobody yeah, has fax anymore. They said, well, you could, you could either use a fax machine or smoke signals. You're like, great, thanks. <laughs> Super helpful, thank you. <laughs> so oh, I would yeah. have to say that those were probably my biggest learnings in, in going through the judicial process. That's, yeah, I would imagine so. Um, I also, from oh. family being in, I know that uh, regardless of sentencing or what have you, you are not treated as a person a lot of the time and yeah. just as a number. And uh, I know that it's, I know it's very challenging being inside yeah. mentally and emotionally. Yeah. Um, have you um, gone through therapy or have you just solely relied on your faith and um, what, how have you worked through this uh, personally? Like, obviously, you know, you, you have your work that you do every day, but um, how did you start to dig your way out? Was it just that step into AA? Was it what? No, you know, I guess, Samantha, for me, I, it started early in life. You know, the story that I told you about people's last 30 seconds, what they say is, I wish I had more time and did I make a difference? Yeah. That was a lesson I learned early on in life. Yeah. You know, because by the age of 14, I had lost two immediate family members to very difficult, tragic accidents. Yeah. And so early on in life, I guess I set out to um, to understand uh, what makes me tick and, and how to make it how to make me work at my best. That's great. Um, and sometimes I failed and sometimes I got it right. You know, I was in sales and there's a lot of great. Uh, authors and, and uh, speakers in mm. that realm, yeah, um, that uh, that really help you out. I think with uh, with getting the right mindset and, uh, and and so that you can perform at your best. That's I totally agree with that. And confidence is everything. I feel like, and a lot of people who are in sales, you learn how to work up that confidence, especially because you get no's a lot. Right. <laughs> you get rejections right. a lot in sales, so. <laughs> You got to be able to take it. <laughs> well, shoot, I'm an entrepreneur, you know. I'm like the yeah. definition of, of arrogant, right? Because I don't believe it, that I can't, that I'm That's fail. my whole, you know, <laughs> I, I always say to people, I'm a jack of all trades, master of some, because I am a creative person by nature. And um, one of the things I, I have a very long term goal of uh, starting a nonprofit arts education organization down the road. But that's something that I have known I wanted to do since I was 18. And when I was going through all of my my stuff, the dark years, as I like to call yeah. it, um, right. that was always still in the back of my mind, my purpose. And uh, that's something that I think I'll be jumping into later in life. But the work that I'm doing now is kind of setting my stage, if you will for the, those future projects, because in order to be able to create something of the magnitude that I want to down the road, I need to build that foundation in right. community. And that's in part what we're trying to do here. And 
I've always known that I was supposed to be part of something bigger, as you said. Um, and at times, you know, you lose the way of how you're going to get there and get to that purpose and serve right. that purpose. But it was something that always, always uh, rang in my ears and in my heart that I knew I would get back on that path at some point. And yeah. I'm just grateful Perfect. that, yeah. and I, I, I don't know if you had the opportunity to listen to uh, the episodes previous, but I have gotten to a point, and I, this is leading up to a question for you. I have gotten to a point where I am now even grateful for some of the horrible things that happened, for most of them. I know. Because, I know. Yeah, we because crazy when we say I stuff. know. People think I'm a lunatic. <laughs> and <laughs> But if I hadn't had those oppor- or not opportunities, honestly, because every fall ended up turning into an opportunity. Yeah. Um if I had not had that, those things happen, I would not be sitting in this chair. I would yeah. not be able to create this community and start this journey. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Purpose makes our everyday endeavors epic. It does. It makes everything an adventure, too, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was something else I wanted to ask you? Oh, these are. this is kind of a twofold question. Uh, if you could go back to talk to teenage you, what would you tell yourself? It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. You're going to figure that's what it I, out. That's what, that's what I needed to hear, you know? Yeah. And I, I would it be the same message to Jeff in prison? Yeah. 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 It, it's going to be okay. We'll um, figure it out. I, yeah. Yeah. Because I certainly didn't believe that at the time. No, I get that. I definitely didn't either. I, and that's a, that's a whole new level of hopelessness. I'm sure. Oh, my God. Uh, Jeff, I, I truly, truly appreciate your time and your vulnerability. And I appreciate you sharing your stories. Um, I want you to plug yourself. Tell us where people can reach you. They can book you to talk for events or to inspire others and share your story. Um, so Yay. tell everybody where we can find you. Woohoo! So uh, uh, come early, don't leave. Uh, <laughs> at, uh, Jeff Higgins, no Jeff at Jeff-Higgins.com. Beautiful. Uh, that's my website. I'm on Facebook at uh, uh, Struggles and Summits. Beautiful. Um, and uh, and also LinkedIn, Jeff Higgins speaking on uh, on LinkedIn. Awesome, and I'll include links for that for everything in the descriptions. Yeah. And, um, yeah, no problem. I'm happy to do it. And we can also, um, I'll be putting a link for dreaminvestgrow.org in there as well. Um, and are there any other causes that you want to shout out or anything else that you want to share before we wrap it up? Uh, no, you know, I think that's the, the, the main ones I, you know, my wife and I, uh, we try to have, you know, we're very, uh, thoughtful about how we spend our time and treasure. Right. And so we have certain organizations. Uh, some of them are, are very local, though. But uh, but Dream Invest Grow, I tell you what, I, I went down there to see for myself how they were what they were doing with my time and treasure. Right. Mm-hmm. And, of course. Uh, and, and they're just doing such great work there. They help install smokeless stoves and in, in cool. homes where people are burning on open fires and okay. uh, getting respiratory diseases and things like that. And they install these stoves and they use uh, like 10% of the firewood uh, and, uh, and they cure, uh, you know, it, it removes the, uh, the problems of respiratory illnesses. So That's great. You know, yeah, dream of escrow. I, I, I would just hold that up as a great organization to support. 
Beautiful. I absolutely love it. Um, all right. Well, I think that wraps up our show. Anybody who's still listening and with us, thank you so much for joining Jeff and I. Um, as always, please remember this too shall pass. You are not alone and be kind to others, but also be incredibly kind to yourself. Um, if you want to follow me, I am on Instagram and TikTok at Sam said what underscore. And you can also find the show at Serendip Sits Pod on pretty much every platform. Um, and if you want to listen or stream on YouTube, Spotify, iHeart, Pandora, Amazon Music, all the major streaming platforms, you will find us. Thank you so much. And Jeff, again, thank you.